Hello, church family. Pastor Jalisa here. What a gift it is to be able to connect and to look to our God and his word together, even in these unique and crazy times. I also want to say hello and welcome to any guests that we have with us on this audio. In preparing this message and the at-home liturgy that goes with it, it's been our prayer at Gold Avenue Church that even with current events, God's kingdom would continue to advance as we continue to embody and proclaim it, and that many would continue to come in and grow further up and further into God's kingdom. And so we're so glad and so grateful that all of you are here with us. If any of you missed the at-home liturgy, make sure that you check that out on our Gold Avenue Facebook page or our new really awesome blog page that you may have noticed. You can find that just off of our website at goldavenuechurch.org or again off Facebook. All right. So for the last several weeks, we've been preaching through the Old Testament prophetic book of Haggai. The Lord had sent the prophet Haggai to speak to the remnant of exiles that had returned to the broken down city of Jerusalem, their promised land. Throughout Haggai, the Lord had commanded his people to give careful thought to their ways. You probably remember that. But due to opposition from enemies around and difficulty and really misplaced priorities, the people had been building their own homes and their own lives instead of rebuilding the ruined temple of the Lord. The temple was so much more than just a building. It was the place where the living God dwelled. It was the place that united God's people and held them all together in right relationship with him and with one another. Throughout the book of Haggai, as the people were obedient to God's correction and began to work on rebuilding his house, God responded by reminding them of his power over all things, his tremendous, relentless love for them, and their identity as his chosen people. I am with you, God had said to them. Be strong and work. Consecrate yourselves unto me, he'd commanded them. In a little while, I'm going to shake the earth, God had said. But I have chosen you, and you will be my authority on earth. And here we are just a week later, and our world feels a little bit shaken. Now, several weeks ago, when we'd sat down and planned out our sermon series for the future, we'd anticipated, through the Lord's guidance and discernment together, that after the Haggai series and leading up to the Easter season, we were to preach a short two-sermon series on God's justice as displayed in other Old Testament prophetic books. Now, God's justice is a really big topic, and it might feel sort of random to preach on justice in the midst of the coronavirus and coming out of God's message to us in Haggai, but as I've worked through and lived into this text this week, I've been absolutely amazed at the journey the Lord has had us on as a body and the way that he's been connecting all the dots between these sermons and our current context. Friends, our God sees and knows. He goes before and behind. And in him, we really lack nothing. And so without further ado, I'm going to pray for us, um, and then we'll move into the text. And so, Lord, um, 
wherever we are, whatever time or day it is, we are united in you and in your spirit. And we praise you for that. And so, Lord, as we as we meet together, we pray, would you fill our spaces with your peace and your presence? God, we pray, would you anoint my voice and my words to speak your words in your tone this morning? And God, would you anoint all of our ears to hear that which you have for us this morning? God, we praise you that even in the midst of all of this, that you are on your throne. And so as we approach your word, would you show us more and more how to live into your kingdom identity for us? We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're reading from the book of Isaiah, and we're looking at Isaiah chapter 58. Um, and while you're finding that in your Bibles or your apps, I'll just say that like the prophet Haggai, Isaiah is a prophet speaking to the remnant of Judah as well. So we've got exiles returning to the promised land. So there's a few years between Haggai and this message from Isaiah, but we're in the same context. We're looking at the same people group, the same place. All right, so here we go. Isaiah 58. Shout it out loud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and the malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. 
The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called a repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Thanks be to God. All right. Have you ever been in a relationship or a friendship where you've had all kinds of hopes and expectations? Like this person just seems so great and like they could be your person, your best friend, that confident you've been looking for your whole life. This is the person that you want to do life with, that you want to go on vacation with. This is the person you want to celebrate birthdays and life events with and talk about everything with. You just can't imagine doing life without this wonderful person. But then, somewhere along the way, things start to change. Your person stops calling or texting as often as they used to. And when you get together, they seem less excited to see you than you are to see them. They expect significantly more out of you than they're willing to give themselves. And pretty soon it starts to feel like they're just going through the motions of the relationship, but their heart just isn't in it anymore. Suddenly they've got other priorities and other friends and they start missing important things like birthdays and activities that you'd had planned and had looked forward to for so long. And when you do get together, they're glued to their cell phone. And every interaction feels like your friend is present out of obligation, but doesn't have any genuine care or interest in you or your friendship anymore. I think most of us have been here at some level at one time or another. It hurts. And it's so hard. The sting of rejection. The loss not only of your friend and that friendship, but also of all the hopes and dreams that you'd shared with that person. No more vacations or birthday parties or late night conversations. Your plans are ruined and you're left alone with a broken heart. In the words that we just read from the prophet Isaiah, we hear the cries of a heartbroken and even angry God. A God who desires above all intimate relationships with his people. A God who has tremendous plans for his people beyond anything that they could ever accomplish or even dream up on their own. Plans to impact the entire world and the trajectory of history. This is a God who knows the eternal consequences of his people's actions. A God who delights in his people beyond all comprehension but also a God who has been rejected, rebelled against, 
and left brokenhearted by those and for those that he loves the most. Shout it out loud and don't hold back, Isaiah cries out for the Lord. Listen loud and clear, he says. You've all been going through the motions. You look for me, you act like you're following my commands and want to walk in my ways. You tell me you want to be my people. But when I ask you to fast, when I ask you to spend even one day sharing my heart, you do your own thing. Instead of sitting down and actually spending time with me, time that would result in greater freedom and peace and joy and purpose for you, you choose to spend your time taking advantage of others. You fight for no good reason and you punch others with your words and even your fists. You put on a big show of fasting and mourning and lamenting so that it looks like you're doing what I've asked you to do. But really, it's all about you. And then you ask me why I'm not blessing you. These fake, insincere religious rituals are not what I desire. They're not what I've called you to. Ouch, the people must have thought. We've been showing up. Checking the box, doing the things and the stuff, but man, God wants something else? What does that even mean? What's he asking of us and why? And what's this guy even talking about? I'd imagine that many of the questions that the people were asking line up pretty closely with some of the questions that we've all been asking ourselves in these last couple of weeks. We've all been feeling the weight and the grief of not being able to gather together, of not being sure what the future looks like, of having so many things that felt sure and stable suddenly crumble beneath us. What does it mean to be a Christian beyond the religious rituals? How can we please God if we can't go to a church service on Sunday? How can we please God if we can't go to this prayer gathering or serve at church the way we've always done it? What does it look like to be God's people when the way we're used to doing it is no longer an option? What on earth is God asking of us in this season? Thankfully for Judah and for us, the prophet Isaiah is quick to offer the Lord's answers to so many questions. Isaiah goes on to describe what it is that God desires and expects of his people. And what Isaiah shares draws a beautiful picture of God's heart and his character, who he is and what he stands for. God's answer picks up in verse 6 with a rhetorical question. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? He's saying, don't you get it? This is what I've been asking of you. To loose the chains of injustice. Some translations say to remove the sinful chains. And untie the cords of the yoke, the burden. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. That is to completely remove the weight of sinful bondage from your life and from the lives of those around you. Sinful systems. This is what God desires, says Isaiah. Not insincere ritual behaviors, but rather for you, my people, to break the chains of sin and bondage 
over this world. And if that's not enough, Isaiah goes on in verse 7. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide shelter for the wanderer, to clothe the naked and to be present to your own flesh and blood? This is what God desires, says the Lord through Isaiah. I bless you so that you can bless others. I care about you so you care about the needs of your own flesh and blood and care about the needs of the world around you. I didn't make you for religion, God says through Isaiah. I didn't make you for a one day a week, check the box, go through the motions kind of life. I made you. I chose you. I set you apart. I showed you the way to walk. And when you get lost, I correct you. I rescue you. I want to bless and favor you so that you can live lives every day that are my voice, my hands, my feet, my heart to the world around you. This is what I want. This is what I'm calling you to. God's calling for justice, but he's not calling for the stereotypical social justice that you and I are used to hearing and reading about that usually emphasizes only meeting physical needs. God's calling for more. He's calling for his kingdom justice. And God's justice is always bent on producing right relationships between God and humanity and right relationships within humanity. God's justice meets needs. God's justice reflects the fullness of his heart. God's justice takes eternity and eternal consequences into account. And God's justice always points to him and to what he says is true. And then Isaiah goes on. When you start living lives that reflect my heart, lives that seek my justice, then, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Friends, this is just glorious. The light God is willing to shed on our lives can be the dawn that a person living in dark night has been waiting for. And it gets better from verse eight and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. In other words, the broken and the bruised places in our spirits that keep us from living completely righteous lives, God will heal them and he'll equip us to follow his will and his ways. And then the very glory of God will be our protection. Friends, this is amazing. Continuing on in verse nine, then you see all these thens when you do this, then it's consequential. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. He will be present. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, seen a lot of that lately. If you do away with that, and if you spend yourselves instead in behalf of the hungry and you satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. And then Isaiah says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs 
in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. Some translations say he will strengthen your very bones and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls and restorers of streets with dwellings. If you share my heart, says the Lord, if you bear my heart of justice, then, says verse 14, you will find your joy in the Lord. This is such good news. And it's good news that we stand in need of today. Over the last month or so, God's called us to give careful thought to our priorities as we saw in Haggai. To be builders of the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of self. And we agreed with that. And we've been asking God to show us what that looks like. And through this text, in the midst of widespread shutdown and social isolation, I believe God is answering our prayers. He's shedding light on what it means to embody, proclaim, and advance his kingdom instead of our own. A kingdom that wants more than ritual or obligation. And a kingdom that takes God's justice seriously. The reality right now is that you and I can't check the boxes that we used to. We can't gather on Sunday and we can't go through our normal weekly rhythms that we had, regardless of how good those may have been. But the good news is, friends, God did not make us to just show up to church every week. He didn't design us to listen to sermons and not apply them to our own hearts and be transformed. He didn't set us free to listen to worship music and not stir up worship in our own spirits and live lives of worship. He didn't send his spirit for us to pray shallow prayers and not walk in his power. We weren't made for religion, friends. We were made to embody, advance, and proclaim a kingdom. A kingdom that mandates God's heart of justice and a kingdom whose doors is never closed. It's a kingdom that prays powerfully for the world. It's a kingdom that gives generously, a kingdom that breaks the chains of sin and a kingdom that cares for all in need. It's a kingdom that proclaims God's truth in love. And so as we come to a close, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that God would help us to live into his kingdom justice in the midst of the things around us. And I also want to encourage you to check out the response and resources section at the bottom of your at-home liturgy. Whether you're by yourself or with your family, take some time to soak in this passage and to let the Lord apply his love and his word and his heart to your heart and your life. We've also included some response resources, including a prayer of repentance that you may find helpful as you process through this as well as a resource sheet about practical ways to implement God's justice in this current season. However the Lord may be stirring in your heart, I'm confident that he'll provide ways for you to respond. Let's pray. God, we praise you that your heart is kind and that the things that you call for even if they seem difficult, 
you call for because they bear good fruit for us, for the whole world, and for your glory. And so God, as we continue to sit in your word, I pray would you stir up response in your heart. Would you show each one of us what it is to be your voice and your hands and your feet, even in isolation in this season? God, we pray even in the midst of this, would you raise up your church, raise up your kingdom, and God, would you be glorified? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.